This is Dr. Russell Blaylock, and you're listening to the Blaylock Health Channel. Today, what I'm going to talk about is dietary excitotoxins, what I consider everyone should know. Now, the first book I ever wrote uh, was on this subject, and at the time, few had ever heard of excitotoxins or the word excitotoxins, and therefore, this was quite low on their list of concerns, or it escaped uh, people's list altogether. Now, this excitotoxin concept, I coined the the term for the uh, book called Excitotoxin, The Taste That Kills. Now, the reason I put that is because it leads to many conditions that shorten life, but it also can cause a lot of uh, conditions that are uh, not deadly outright, but can severely affect uh, one's life. Now, what drove me to write this book is rather long and, and somewhat convoluted story, but to condense it, At the time, I was quite interested as a neurosurgeon in how nutrition would affect the brain and its its function. And this was an interest that most of my neurosurgical colleagues uh, didn't share. Uh, I came across a compilation of research articles that had been put into a book form. And one of the chapters in that uh, book uh, was a discussion of the effect of monosodium glutamate, MSG, the food additive, on the hypothalamus of the brain. And I read this article and found it to be absolutely intriguing. Uh, I realized that there had been a great deal of research on MSG that I'd never heard of. And I decided that I would do some more research and see what else I could find about MSG and its link to damage uh, of the brain. And what I found is there was uh, a growing list of articles written from research laboratories and research being done by people around the world, uh, particularly Dr. John Olney. Now, after plowing through these articles, I sat back and I considered the implications of what I was reading, mainly uh, that a lot of people were consuming this product in their food as a food additive, and these unsuspecting people had no idea that it was having a profound effect on their health. Most important to me was the effect of this MSG, this food additive, on the developing brain. My studies had disclosed that glutamate, which was the main ingredient in MSG, was playing a major role in how the brain developed, and that levels of this neurotransmitter were very carefully controlled because it was one of the most toxic natural substances found in the human brain. In other words, the brain contains a lot of glutamate, but all of it is carefully stored to protect these delicate brain cells. And in the case of of an embryo or a baby, it's protecting the developing brain against this damage. Now, what they realize is that during brain development, the glutamate levels rose and fell uh, in the brain at critical times in a very carefully programmed schedule. And this rise and fall was all important in how the brain would develop, uh, something I call wiring of the brain. Introducing too much glutamate at the wrong time could cause the brain to be miswired, and this could present as a number of problems. Now, some of these problems were subtle, and some were quite serious. For instance, the child later in life or early in his learning experience would have difficulty concentrating. They would have language difficulties, minor behavioral problems such as 
disobedience or risk-taking, fidgeting, the troubles in school, for example. Or they could have major behavioral problems such as schizophrenia, obsessive-compulsive disorder, addictions, uh, violence, suicidal tendencies, anxiety, and depression. All of these have been linked to excess glutamate in the brain. Learning difficulties. Children who are exposed to high levels of glutamate in the brain during this critical development period, which is mainly the last trimester of the pregnancy and the first two years after birth, they could have these learning difficulties uh, in school when they start uh, more complex learning, particularly. And, of course, they could suffer from hyperactivity, what's called ADHD. Now, MSG and the other glutamate additives are also playing a major problem in the obesity epidemic. Now, earlier research, when all of this was first being discovered, found that when they fed these baby animals uh, monosodium glutamate, they noticed that uh, as they began to reach adolescence and later in life, they were quite obese. I mean, tremendously obese. And this happened in every species of animal that they tried this in, that if they fed it during early life, the animal became tremendously obese, and this obesity was very difficult to diet off and very difficult to remove by exercise. They also noticed that these obese animals developed another medical condition that is now exploding in our society, mainly because the Western diet has so much of this glutamate additive in it. And that condition is a metabolic syndrome. It's estimated that about 45 million people may suffer from this syndrome. The metabolic syndrome is a compilation of several problems. Type 2 diabetes, that is insulin resistance, hypertension, obesity, and abnormal blood lipids, that is high cholesterol and elevated triglycerides. It was a disorder of the middle age of life uh, before all of this began to take place. Now we're starting to see the metabolic syndrome in 14% of our youth, and it's growing in incidence uh, very rapidly. Now, in my book, I wrote that the discovery of glutamate as a neurotransmitter was being realized that it was one of the most important neurotransmitters in the brain. A neurotransmitter is a chemical that allows brain cells to communicate to one another. Now, since then, since this, these early discoveries, uh, we now have considerable amount of understanding of this glutamate receptor uh, in the brain and how it works. For instance, we know that it is the most abundant neurotransmitter in the brain and the most abundant receptors in the brain. 90% of all neurotransmission in the cortex of the brain is by glutamate, 50% of the entire brain, making it a more abundant neurotransmitter than all the others put together. It is found on all types of neurons, even those that were thought originally to be operated by other transmitters, such as serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, and acetylcholine. In many cases, it connects to these other neurotransmitter receptors and operates them, controls how they function. The glutamate receptor system is very, very complex and can change physically as conditions in the environment change, that is, uh, as as the physiology of the body changes, the body comes under stress, comes under exposure to certain chemicals, these receptors can change, and that's very important to understand. Activation of different types of glutamate receptors is determined by a great number of conditions. For instance, the concentration of glutamate uh, in the diet or in the brain, and the presence of inflammatory chemicals can make these receptors hyperreactive. 
Now, to understand the danger of eating excess glutamate as a food additive, one must understand that one's vulnerability to this glutamate toxicity varies between people. Some people are very sensitive to glutamate additives, and some are quite resistant. It also varies with the time of day, whether or not you're under a lot of stress, the blood sugar levels, and the presence of inflammation. People differ in their risks also based on their ability to detoxify in their body. Because when this excitotoxicity is taking place, toxins are produced. And so your detoxification in your cells and your liver needs to be very healthy. And it also depends on their antioxidant network health. Now, a healthy antioxidant network greatly protects you against excitotoxicity. The antioxidant network includes the antioxidants in your diet, as well as the antioxidant enzymes that are in your body, which can vary from person to person. If you're lucky enough, or fortunate enough, or blessed enough to have very good antioxidant systems in your body, that is your enzymes, then you're very resistant to a lot of diseases, including excitotoxicity. Poor detoxification, uh, which is very common in people eating this type diet, puts them at high risk. A low magnesium level raises your risk considerably, as well a, a poor intake of the B vitamins, such as vitamin B6 and riboflavin. Uh, a high intake of B vitamins, vitamin E, C, and certain type flavonoids, such as curcumin, quercetin, apigenin, luteolin, anthracyanidins from grapes and bilberry, are all very protective against this excitotoxicity. Melatonin can increase antioxidant enzyme levels not only in the brain but throughout the body and protect you against this excitotoxicity to a great degree. Mercury, aluminum, cadmium, tin, and lead all increase the risk by excitotoxins. Viral infections, bacterial infections, and even fungal infections can all trigger prolonged excitotoxicity. Exposure to certain pesticides and herbicides and fungicides can greatly increase one's risk of excitotoxicity. And this may explain the strong link between exposure to these chemicals and the onset of Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's disease. Repetitive vaccination can also make one hypersensitive to glutamate damage. It's also important to keep in mind that there are two main sources of glutamate in humans. One is the food and drinks we're exposed to. Now, that is a uh, glutamate additive. And the second is that release from the brain itself. Remember, the brain has a very high stored content of glutamate. Sometimes that glutamate is released in too high uh, a concentration due to different pathological conditions. So those are the two major sources of glutamate. Now, in the foods, it's mostly processed foods. That is, it's purposely added to the food to increase its taste. It has nothing to do with preserving food. But it's naturally found in high levels in red meats, mushrooms, tomatoes, and soy. The places where it's stored in the brain naturally, where you normally have a lot of glutamate, is in immune cells throughout your body, for instance, the macrophage, and the microglia and the astrocyte cell in the brain are major storage sites. Now, the makers of MSG food additives all along have claimed, well, no matter what all of that research shows, it's of no harm to human beings, even babies and undeveloped children in the uterus, because the levels of MSG in the food are too low to cause any harm. And second is that the brain is protected by the blood-brain barrier, which keeps the glutamate from going into the brain. 
Both of these are false and well-proven, which you can look in my book and, or my newsletter on this subject, and I give the evidence and the references to show that these two things are not true. Now, we, for instance, with the blood-brain barrier, we see many conditions in everyday life in which the blood-brain barrier is impaired. For instance, if you have a head injury or have ever had a head injury, you can have an impaired blood-brain barrier. It can be for a prolonged period. Having had a stroke, even a silent stroke that you're not aware of, opens up the blood-brain barrier. Aging itself, as we get older, the blood-brain barrier becomes more porous. Exposure to certain pesticides and other industrial chemicals has been shown to also open the blood-brain barrier, and the presence of chronic inflammation in the body will open the barrier. As for levels, studies by the FASA is a federation of, of science, and a very extensive review of MSG concluded that the levels in the diet are sufficient to cause damage to the brain, particularly in the developing brain, and are linked to asthma in children. So the levels are of a high enough content. And of course, as we said, people who have impaired antioxidants are inflamed uh, or have other conditions similar to this make the glutamate receptor hypersensitive, so even very low levels of glutamate can become toxic. Now, fairly recently, we found that, in fact, glutamate receptors are not restricted to the nervous system. They're not just in the brain and the peripheral nerves, but they seem to be in every tissue and organ in the body. They've been shown to be present in skin cells, immune cells, the liver, pancreas, heart, lungs, the GI tract, the retina, the hearing and balanced nerves, that is acoustic and vestibular nerves, the muscles, uh, blood vessels, reproductive organs, the bladder, and the kidneys. There's uh, extensive presence of glutamate receptors everywhere, and of course there's no barrier to these receptors. Anything you eat in your diet is going to activate these receptors. Now this excess glutamate in the diet can affect these organs and tissues. It's been connected to such things as diabetes, liver inflammation, asthma and bronchiospasm, stomach function problems, irritable bowel, worsening of inflammatory bowel disorders such as Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, infertility, and it can stimulate the growth and invasion of cancer. Because many cancer cells have abundant glutamate receptors on them, such things as melanoma, for instance, has abundant glutamate receptors and secretes high levels of glutamate. In adults, especially older adults, we see many neurodegenerative diseases that are linked to excess glutamate activity. Now, that can either be from the intrinsic glutamate already in the brain or from the diet. But even if you have the intrinsic source of the glutamate causing the disease, anything that you have in your diet that's saturated with these glutamate additives is only going to make it worse. It's also been found to play a major role in brain trauma, strokes, brain tumors, autoimmune diseases such as multiple sclerosis, and infectious diseases of the nervous system such as encephalitis and meningitis. For instance, in multiple sclerosis, uh, in experimental animals in which we produce a multiple sclerosis-like syndrome, if you block the glutamate receptors, the animals can once again start walking and they recover neurologically and the damage to the spinal cord is greatly reduced. In cases of encephalitis and meningitis, the prognosis of these uh, disorders is directly related to the amount of glutamate uh, found in the spinal fluid and in the brain. 
In almost all instances, we see an interaction between inflammation, that is immune activation, and excitotoxicity. And I call this link between the two immunoexcitotoxicity. Now, basically what this means is when the immune system is overactivated or it's chronically activated, it makes the glutamate receptors hypersensitive. And what that does is even normal levels of glutamate under those conditions becomes toxic to the brain and to the other organs. So this is a, a link which explains why chronic inflammation is, is linked to so many diseases. Now, of course, the question you have in your mind, what can be done to protect me from this, this problem? Now, one's diet plays a major role. Now, one, you've got to avoid these glutamate additives. That's not only MSG, monosodium glutamate, because it's not always on the label, uh, but there's other additives, what we call the hidden sources of glutamate, and the government regulatory agencies allow them, as long as it's less than 99% pure, to call it by other names. Now, some of these other names of, of high glutamate additives include hydrolyzed vegetable protein, soy protein isolates and, and concentrates, plant protein, autolyzed yeast, natural flavoring, carrageenan, stock broth, and enzymes. If you look on the label of, of these uh, processed foods, you'll frequently see one or more of these. The more that it has listed in the label, the more harmful that food is. You should avoid foods that are linked to inflammation and or excitotoxicity because we said they're linked. Things such as red meats. Red meats have very high glutamate levels and they have higher iron levels which can trigger inflammation. Soy foods in drinks have high glutamate levels. Mushrooms are high in glutamate. Tomato sauces or tomato puree uh, releases the glutamate from the tomato and it can be a problem for some people that are very sensitive uh, to the glutamate. Meat juices, that's why you put meat juices uh, on different foods, rice and, and uh, potatoes, is because it has high glutamate levels and makes it taste better. Glutamate is a very, very powerful taste enhancer. The omega-6 oils like corn oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil, canola oil, peanut oil, and soybean oils all increase inflammation and worsen excitotoxicity. You should avoid iron supplements unless it's being used for documented iron deficiency disorders. And if you're gluten sensitive or gluten intolerance in any way, you should avoid gluten at all possible costs. Now, certain supplements are known to suppress excitotoxicity, and many of them also suppress inflammation as well. For instance, magnesium malate, uh, particularly the time-release form, that's the form I take, I get this from uh, uh, jigsawhealth.com, and it's a slow-release magnesium which keeps your brain and tissue levels elevated, and that helps block some of these glutamate receptors. It reduces inflammation. It raises uh, cell glutathione levels, which is very protective. Pyruvate, which is a carbohydrate intermediate that supplies tremendous amounts of energy to cells. Pyruvate has been found to be very protective against brain damage. It's particularly useful in cases of severe hypoglycemia. Uh, when the brain becomes hypoglycemic, it releases a lot of glutamate and can cause brain atrophy and brain destruction, and the pyruvate will block that uh, damage. 
B vitamins, particularly thymine, vitamin B1, riboflavin, niacinamide, B6, pyridoxine, and methylcobalamin or vitamin B12. All have been shown to help reduce excitotoxicity. The natural vitamin E, that is the mixed uh, tocopherols, and tocotrienols, which is a form of vitamin E. In combination, they're very powerful at protecting the brain against immunoexcitotoxicity. There's a number of flavonoids that are protective of the brain, such as curcumin, quercetin, valkylene, that's B-A-I-C-A-L-E-I-N. These are very, very powerful in protecting the brain uh, and all of the nervous system against uh, immunoexcitotoxicity, and they reduce considerably inflammation. Blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, muscadine grapes all contain powerful flavonoids that are protective. Grapeseed extract and resveratrol uh, are very brain protective against this process. Broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, cabbage, kale, spinach, all of these are are very uh, high concentrated forms of brain protectants that target protecting against excitotoxicity. L-carnitine and L-carnosine are both very protective of the brain and alpha-lipoic acid, particularly in the R-lipoic acid form. Now, you can also get a lot of protection from blenderizing vegetables, particularly the ones I named, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, cabbage, kale, and spinach. Also, celery and parsley uh, all contain uh, flavonoid components that are enormously brain protective. And when you blenderize them, you release these so that they're uh, very well absorbed. Eating them as whole vegetables, your absorption is considerably less. Now, if you'd like more information about glutamate and its damaging effects, I would suggest you subscribe to my newsletter, which uh, I have several newsletters on this process that goes into more depth and gives references. Also, the book, Excitotoxin, the Taste That Kills. The newsletter covers a lot of topics that I talk about on the podcast. When you subscribe, you can get all the old issues, which goes back about six or seven years, and you can uh, read those and get a considerable amount of in-depth information. Now, if you enjoyed listening to this week's podcast and would like to hear previous episodes of the Blaylock Health Channel, go to our website at www.blaylockhealthchannel.com. Thank you for listening. The information contained within these programs is not intended to replace or contradict that of your physician. This information is for educational purposes only. 